Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello there, I'm Stuart Brennan, Chief Manchester City writer of the Manchester Evening News. And we're here for episode four of Talking City. With me, as always, is my good mate Ian Cheeseman, who I'm sure most of you know anyway. But he uh, he runs, he has a show on Excess Manchester two nights a week, and also has his own blog, Forever Blue, uh, and has been a City fan since since I, certainly since I was in short pants, which is an awful long time ago. Uh, and me and you, Ian, we, we travel the country together watching City, don't we? We have done for the last eight or nine years since, since I got the City job. Uh, and the pair of us came away from Watford on Saturday, uh, absolutely enthusing about that City performance. It was everything that a football fan could want in their team. Um, I mean, you've been watching City for a lot longer than I have, but um, just tell me, where does that rate, do you think, in terms of City performances in history? Well, in terms of style and uh, you know the type of football I certainly want to watch, and I think I believe most people want to watch, that was as good as anything I've ever seen. You've got to obviously measure it against the opposition, uh, and Watford went into that game unbeaten, and actually in quite a rich vein of form. If you if you look at Watford, yeah, they would have gone top if they if yeah, won the game. Absolutely. So you know they couldn't be taken lightly, and uh, and so therefore against that, and uh, but obviously the natural reaction when you come away is we're, we're Watford not so good. But then they repeated the trick, you know, uh, in other games as well. There's been three games back to back: Liverpool, Feyenoord, and Watford. So you can't say it was a one-off. But the way that they played, the movement, the understanding, the the intelligence, the the speed, the athleticism, the speed of thought, the the first time passing, everything about it just made it a marvel to watch. Mm. The trick is to repeat it. But on that day, any fan that was lucky enough to be in the ground, as you and I were. You can't not come away from that and, and not think, wow, wow. Because that was the only thing you could say. I just thought it was sensational stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I, I have to give marks out of 10, as you know. Uh, and looking back over, over the last eight or nine years, I've, you could probably count on the fingers of ha- one hand the number of times I've given a 10. Uh, but Sergio Aguero got a 10 from me. He did I everything mean, he, right, didn't he? He just epitomised everything you've just said, didn't he? He's come on in leaps and bounds. I mean... There was all this sort of speculation, probably unwarranted, that he was going to go and all the rest of it. Um, I'm not sure that that's what Pep actually had in mind. I think what he's now achieved with Sergio Aguero is exactly what he did have in mind. Um, I think he's a very clever man, Pep, psychologically as well as tactically. And I think the way he's developed Sergio Aguero into an even better player, we know he's a great finisher. Uh, We know his instinct for goal is second to none, his statistics all bear that out but now suddenly you're seeing a different dimension perhaps epitomised by the pass to Jesus when he scored that goal but not just because of that because of the the unselfish way that he's running to the byline he's crossing balls he's passing first time he's joining in with the rest of the the team in, in what they're trying to achieve so he's playing the best football I've seen him play and City are playing the best football I've seen City play 
Uh, I had Kevin Keegan on my XS show earlier this week, and he played, or his team played, some wonderful football that lots of City fans have, have harked back to. And right at the beginning of my time, when Mercer and Allison were building that team with, um, you know, Colin Bell and Mike Summerby and Francis Lee and, and the rest of them, that was great football. But this is probably now on the verge of surpassing anything that's gone before, mm-hmm. and probably as good as anything. I, I, I'd say at the moment. And, and I know there'll be people watching this who will say, well, how can you back that up because of the, of the results? They haven't won a European Cup yet. They haven't even won a trophy under Pep Guardiola. But I believe the football that City are playing right now is probably as good as anybody, if not better than anybody, in Europe. That's yeah. how strong, that's how good it is. It is. It is. Obviously, there's, there's uh, bigger tests ahead. The other thing that you, you mentioned, Kevin Keegan's teams, and of course, the thing that everyone said about Kevin Keegan's teams was beautiful to watch, great going forward, but little bit flaky when it comes he's, he's at the fly in the ointment for City do you think you know they've not really been tested defensively yeah, yeah can't deny that I mean there's still a vulnerability I mean I know it was a different type of team at West Brom in the League Cup but they did look vulnerable in that little period towards the end of the second half when West Brom suddenly got a new lease of life sent in a lot more long balls and varied it a little bit and City did look shaky at the back. Now, it was John Stones and Mangala that were playing together. It could be that Company and Otamendi are the partnership, or it might be a back three in the next game. So it might not look exactly like it did against West Bromwich Albion. But I do think that City's vulnerability is in defence. But just like Kevin Keegan's side, I actually said this to him in the interview, you know, attack is the best form of defence. And I think Pep believes that too. And when he's talked in the past about tackling not necessarily something that he teaches his players and he picks out a player like John Stones this footballing centre-half who we all can see is not the best defensively in terms of pure tackling and pure defending he's built a team which is designed to pile forward to attack but does that make them vulnerable occasionally in some of the bigger games yes it probably does and that therefore the Chelsea game which is on the way fairly soon at Stamford Bridge will be the first real I believe, real test to see, and I think Pep knows this, mm-hmm. to see whether this new philosophy is going to bear fruit this season. Yeah, it's football on the edge. I mean, I know, I know, I know from talking to you over the years and listening to, to Pep Guardiola over the years that your philosophy fits with his philosophy. Absolutely. He's quite prepared to take a risk and a gamble. As long as it looks beautiful, you'll take the odd defeat. You'll take the, you know, the fact that they might not win the title every year. If it looks beautiful... That's the most important thing because you're there to entertain people. Yeah. Uh, winning is a huge bonus, you know, and for Guardiola, his job depends on it. But as far as you're concerned, it's everything, isn't it? Yeah, and then I think that's where the club's going as well. I mean, they're trying to spread the brand out globally. How do you do that? How do you get beyond the tribalism, which is what football's all about from a fan's perspective? What you do is you create something that's not just about winning trophies because, you know, there are clubs that win trophies regularly. Of course there are in every country. It's about doing it in a way that really captures your imagination. I talked to a fan outside West Brom uh, a young lady who was from Swindon with her dad and she told me about going to her first game and she said that when she'd gone it was a game against Watford in the Cup and she'd seen Aguero in a comeback game score a hat-trick and, and described the, you know, the movement in that game. Now that was a little while ago but you could see how it had excited her mm-hmm. and so now it might be that the next generation of fans and the fans that the club are trying to get to grow the club are actually watching it on TV but because of the widescreen nature of the way football's shown now, where you can see the full picture, 
Whereas in the old days, it might have been a little square and you couldn't really see this. Now you can see all that movement, even on your TV screen. And that's what excites people. That's what makes people want to watch this team, want to buy a ticket, want to buy a souvenir, mm -hmm. want to buy into it and get beyond that tribalism. And, and at the moment, they're absolutely getting it right. Yeah, and the thrilling thing was that last night, after that Watford game, uh, Pep made eight changes. And then certainly in the first half, it was seamless. The, the players who came in just started playing the way that they'd left off at Watford. You know, Bernardo was, was terrific. I thought Sterling had a good first half. Leroy Sane came in and was absolutely sensational in the first half, especially in the second half as well. But that first half was phenomenal for him. And that's, I mean, that, that sort of bodes well, doesn't it, in terms of yeah. where City are going as well? Well, Ilkay Gundogan, who you didn't mention there, but I'm sure was yes. in your mind as well. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, he was threading it all together and mm -hmm. got, it's so heartbreaking to see him limp off with this injury and... Hopefully it's not going to be a long-term thing again. But he, he fits into the philosophy so well as well. And um, it, it's no coincidence that City brought on three substitutes at Watford who were all wow players, who were all involved in the game uh, at West Bromwich Albion. You know, and you think, well, you know, there, there are now so many pieces. People have sort of said, well, are there not too many pieces? You know, will people not become unhappy? You don't become unhappy when you're playing football like that. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you're only playing to win and you're grinding results out, I can imagine a player sitting on the bench thinking, you know, uh, this is terrible and, you know, uh, am I going to cope with this? But, but now, every one of those players, I want to get involved in this. I want to come on. I want to play a part. I want to play. It's like the, the kid in the playground. It's, can I play? Can I play? Mm -hmm. They all want to play, don't they? Because of the whole joy and, and pleasure of, of, of what they're presenting on the pitch. Yeah, yeah. And that transmits itself to the press box. I mean... Going back to the defence a little bit, obviously two players who, well, Walker came on in the second half, but uh, Benjamin Mendy was given a rest, uh, and that's obviously going to happen because fullback is such an important position for Pep. It's a high energy position. The, your fullbacks have got to get up and down the pitch, and you can't do that all season. It's certainly not in the English game these days, and Pep has recognised that. Uh, is I mean, I've written a piece this week saying that these coming weeks, where there's a game every three days, it's possible that City's biggest Floor will be exposed in that they have only got three fullbacks. They've always had four, you know, uh, certainly, certainly in the last 10 years and, and, and before that, but they've only got three fullbacks now. Do you think that could be a problem, especially if one of them gets injured, if Walker gets injured or Mendy gets injured? Where did they go from there? We had Fabian Delft playing fullback uh, at West Brom last night, and you wouldn't want that if they're playing Chelsea, they're playing Chelsea in like 10, 11 days' time, you wouldn't want Fabian Delphi left back in that game. No, and we saw Leroy Sane play in that role as well, and it didn't really fit with him either. Um, if you're playing a three at the back, arguably you can play with other players in those wide roles. Arguably. I'm not sure I buy into that. I completely agree with you that the two full-backs now, Kyle Walker and, and Mendy, have suddenly become irreplaceable and suddenly become absolutely key to what Pep's doing and you can see now why that was top of his shopping list. You know, some people might have said, well, why not sign a centre-back or another striker? But he targeted two key full-backs. Now, on the plus side, they're both young. I mean, I know Kyle Walker's a little older than Mendy, but they both look incredibly fit. Yes, if they get injured, that's a problem. But as long as they stay fit, I actually think that they could probably play pretty much every game. We seem to have come into the habit now of assuming 
that, that players can't do that anymore. But they did do that years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, such as the recovery methods, they've got this fantastic CFA with all of the, you know, stuff that they can do there with recovery and hydrotherapy pools and everything like that. I don't see any reason why most of the time those two fullbacks can't actually be the two fullbacks that play. Mm-hmm. And obviously, whenever you look at any three game sequence, and City have got Crystal Palace now as the next game, which on paper is the easiest of the three, followed by Shakhtar, Donetsk and then Chelsea. It might be that, you know, yes, there's a little bit of rotation, but equally you could argue that in the game against Crystal Palace, if they come flying out the blocks and get themselves two or three goals up, you can start taking these players off, or at least these players... um, I love Formula One, so I'll use a Formula One analogy... You turn the engine down when you're no, well out you, in front. You're bored all the time about Formula <laughs> One on the way to away games. But that's what they do. Yeah. You know, when a driver's way out in front, like Lewis Hamilton, he's 30 seconds clear. He turns the engine down to save the engine. Mm-hmm. Well, you can do that with. You can set to Carl Walker and Mendy. You know, you don't have to go bombing up and down now. You can just you know pick your moments and sit and conserve your energy for the two games. Yeah. That are I got the impression they were doing that because I thought they did that at Watford on Saturday. The pair of Even them in the first half. They kept going in a way, didn't they? They did. But there were times in the game where they were just sitting. They weren't. They weren't sort of busting. They got to get forward. They didn't. They didn't need to because the players yeah. ahead of them were exactly. doing it, and they just uh, conserved a little bit of their energy. It's funny you, you touched on the fact that City spent a lot of money to bring those two in, and, they, and we had people in certain sections of the media, not the Manchester Evening News, obviously, but they were saying, you know. Ninety odd million pounds for two fullbacks. What are City playing at? You know the game's gone and all that nonsense. But there's so much more than fullbacks. I mean, it took it tickled me last night at uh, at West Brom. They got the City mascot on the pitch before the game and they interviewed him and they said, "Who's your favourite player?" Now this is a kid who's got Sergio Aguero, Kevin De Bruyne, David Silva, Leroy Sane, Raheem Sterling. All these all these great attacking players to choose from. And his answer was Mendy. And you think the lad's been here five minutes. You know, and yet there's a here's a kid on the pitch who was who was. I know he's got a big big personality and a big character, but this kid had connected with him, and that you would never have got a left back being named as as a as the favourite player by a ten year old in years gone by. It would always be a striker, wouldn't it? You know, so I mean that that sort of is an illustration of of where the, the fact that these are much more than fullbacks. I wouldn't disagree with the word you're saying, except for one thing. I would say is that my lad. Pablo Zabaleta was his favourite player. Yeah, so there are exceptions. But you're right. I mean, Mendy's a big personality, as you've highlighted. I know in, when you've been tweeting and, and in the paper about how he uses social media mm-hmm. to such great effect, and, and he's funny, and you know, and, and people love that sort of thing. But mu- much more importantly, on the pitch, he's such a powerful player. Mm. Um, you know, I suppose in the back of my mind, the slight worry is when you've got somebody who's so powerful like that. It hasn't happened yet, and hopefully it won't happen. You just worry about hamstrings and things like that when they're really driving forward. Hopefully he stays clear of that. But, yeah, I can understand why people have taken to him. And even though he's getting the headlines, Kyle Walker, in his Mm -hmm. own way, has been just as significant. And not in the obvious ways. Uh, What I'm really impressed with is that, and and this probably doesn't just apply to Kyle Walker is that when they're making decisions, the players, in tight situations, at speed, they almost always seem to make the right choice of pass. So as a spectator, I'm watching it and going, wow, yeah, there was only that on. How did he see that so quickly? Now, whether that's 
just the pure quality of the players themselves. And Walker is, is the one I'm picking out who have really noticed do that, but they all do it. Or whether that's come from the manager, whether that's come from time with them now training, I don't know. But that is the most impressive single part, I think, of, of what they're doing at the moment, choosing the right option almost on every occasion. The other aspect that I think Walker's brought, and we saw it when he came on last night, West Brom are the biggest team in the Premier League physically, and they do bully teams. And you could tell that Pulis had sent them out and told them, mm. go and knock these lads around. Jesus took some terrible treatment. We saw what happened with you know, and that they were throwing the weight around West Brom. Walker came on, and he was giving them back. He's, he's a he's a big as well as being a, a great footballer. He's a big physical unit, and he takes yeah. he takes nothing from you know traditional English fullback in that regard. Uh, and I, I thought that that was that was telling. But anyway, moving on now. Obviously, City have got Crystal Palace on Saturday, and it's a big dilemma for for Pep, isn't it? Because last Saturday they go to Watford, um, and they put on that fantastic performance that we were talking about. Um, just a brilliant team performance. Then he makes the changes in midweek, and Leroy Sane comes into the team, who was who was on the bench at Watford, and he puts in a sensational individual performance, which basically said to the manager, "Don't you dare leave me out in future. You know, I am I am at this level. I should be playing." So what does Pep do when he picks his team for Crystal Palace? Well, it was nice to see that at Watford, uh, Pep had looked at the team that had beaten Liverpool and pretty much left it alone. And for the first time for a while, because modern football and Pep in particular seem to be quite regularly circulating players around, and we, I understand that to a certain extent, but it, I think he made a statement by saying, well, if you play at that standard, you stay in the team. Mm-hmm. Now, having seen the Watford, Watford performance, the West Brom game, of course, was a different competition and, and the fourth most important competition. And although I said in my column in the evening news how much I really liked the the League Cup and, and how important I think it should be taken. I do get that it's the fourth competition down. So he made the changes then. But if I was Pep, and I suspect Pep will do this, having looked at that what performance and thought that was near perfection, how do I change it? The temptation is to pretty much go with the same team again. The one potential fly in the ointments, well two I'd say, fly in the ointments are Leroy Sane, who almost single-handedly begged the manager for a start and I find it hard to see how he leaves him out or you could argue Bernardo Silva is the other one who is uh, knocking on the door the position that feels the most vulnerable therefore is Raheem Sterling who whilst he is contributing um, you know athleticism and he and he certainly, it feels like a wild card sometimes, Sterling, that when he's, he runs at players, even though the end product isn't always as good as it could be, that just the mere fact that he takes players on and charges at people unsettles the opposition, draws defenders out of position. So I can see the value of him in that sense. But I wonder if Sane now has just nudged ahead for this next game, or, or arguably Bernardo Silva. And the only other change that he might make, of course, is if Vincent Company mm-hmm. is back. Um, but other than that, I would have thought stay the same. But Sane scored some cracking goals. Um, his athleticism, his movement, and he obviously fits into the, the whole team ethic perfectly. Uh, and you know what the crowd are like. They've invented a new song for him now. It's gone from just Leroy to the new song. So they love him. Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, I mean, that, that, that debate is one that us two and... 
our pal Charlie, who travels with us to all all the games, probably have more than anything about Raheem Sterling. I am a Sterling fan, as you know. Uh, as you say, he disrupts defences. He causes havoc. The, the end product isn't always there, but you can tell that defences find him an absolute nightmare. Last night, he was playing on the shoulder of, of the last defender sometimes, and they didn't know what to do because he's so strong. Uh, other times, he was dropping deep and picking the ball up and running at them, and he was causing them absolute ridiculous problems right throughout the game, I thought. Um, but I know I'm Charlie in particular, our pal, uh, he wants to see pure footballers, players whose touch and passing is, is spot on and it's all intricate and, and lovely movement and great to watch. And Sterling isn't that. But I go back to, I mean, I only played at a, a junior level as you did. And I, was, I think you were a fullback, weren't you, as well? Yeah, yeah. I played mainly as a fullback when, when I was a kid. You were left back in the dressing room, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Well, I played left back when I was a kid, and then when I got a bit bigger, I was a centre back. But when I was a left back, uh, playing a winger, give me a tricky winger any time, because, you know, you're not, you, you can deal with them. You can deal with a tricky winger. Fast winger was a nightmare. And I always think about that with Sterling. You see him going at players. He's got so much pace. And and to me, I, I enjoy the sight of that. I enjoy the sight of a player running at that pace with the ball at his foot um, you know, and going past people. I also enjoy the, the Sane type. You know, He's a pro- probably a little more tricky, a little bit more sinuous, although he has got pace as well. Um, but I, I think that's one of the great spectacles. Charlie doesn't. Charlie thinks he wants all the players to be like Yaya Torre and David Silva, Kevin De Bruyne. It's all about touch and vision and passing. Um, I, don't, I know. I don't, I've never really pinned down where you uh, where you stand on this. Well, on the Sterling thing, um, I can see both sides of this argument. I mean, so you're sitting on the fence. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I highlighted before, you know, the, this, the, the the getting the decision right at speed. And that, that was one of the things that impressed me about the team. That's where Raheem Sterling falls down. Mm-hmm. That's where Bernardo Silva, and, and I, I admit at the moment, probably Leroy Sane doesn't occasionally, does occasionally, I should say, get it wrong as well in his selection. He's a raw talent. He's a great athlete and, he's, and he scores goals and does everything you want. All the things you're talking about that Raheem Sterling does, Sane does as well. Both of those two are only young. Both of them are now being tutored by Pep Guardiola and I'd like to hope and think that over the course of the next 12 months or whatever that both of those will improve their decision making. That's where I think Raheem Sterling lacks. He also goes down a little cheaply in the tackle sometimes. Um, we, we see uh, Jesus, Gabriel Jesus was, you know, what was the game where he, I think it was at Watford where he went down the touchline and somebody was trying to bundle him into the advertising audience. And rather than go down, which he's been a little bit guilty of occasionally, he leapt over and, and rode the challenge. We know for that even Aguero moment in 2012 that rather than his first choice go down, Aguero wants to stay on his feet. I want to see that more from, from Sterling. Uh, and if he can get that right and his, and his selection right, then you've got a real player there. But at the moment... Uh, at the absolute top level, in the biggest games, in the crunch games, in the in the Chelsea, I don't I don't expect to see unless there's an injury crisis. Raheem Sterling, for example, start at Chelsea, mm-hmm. but he can start against Crystal Palace. He might be able to start against um, Shakhtar Donetsk. So he he's part of the whole picture. Mm-hmm. But I don't see him at the moment as in that you know the the cup final, the 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 derby match, the the big big games. He's not quite there. 
to, to, to be quite as critical as, as our mate Charlie is, is probably going a bit too far, though he won't like me saying that. But I can see some of the points that he makes. Yeah, that Chelsea game is going to be the first indication of what Pep sees as his strongest eleven, isn't he? That's. I think we got an indication, to be fair, against Liverpool and Feyenoord. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, but uh, I think now Sane's put that performance in. You, you think he maybe is he going to have a rethink? What's he going to do against Chelsea? Mm. But that's one for the future. Uh, as ever, Ian, always really interesting to speak to you. And, no problem, uh, pleasure as always. And uh, we'll we'll see you all again for the next episode of Talking City.